Just continue to pray. Continue to ask that the Lord will speak to me today. As I've come here, I won't leave the way I came. Just pray that the Lord will give me a message for me that will change my life. As you have come here, if you don't connect with God, you won't receive anything. That the Lord shall give you rema. He will give you understanding. At the same time, also commit me into God's hands that I will give the word as God has intended it to give to the word. I will look into the cross, up to the cross, and I will receive understanding of what I'm meant to impart. Pray that lives will be changed today. Pray that destinies will be changed today. Lord, we say thank you. Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, we ask that your presence comes here, Father Lord. Lord, we ask that you will speak to each one of us, Father Lord. We have come with empty hearts. We have come to listen to you. Father Lord, we ask that you speak. You will speak. And if there's anything that's stopping us from hearing you, Lord, we ask that you will forgive us. And as we go out, Lord, we'll also make amends. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Hallelujah. It's good to be here. Greet the person next to you again one more time. And tell him don't sleep. So if someone's sleeping next to you, I won't wake that person up. I'll wake you up. So it's your, responsib- it's your responsibility to keep the other person uh, awake, isn't it? You can nudge him. Not too hard. They say, brother, sister, stay awake. Praise the Lord. I just add to what Pastor said uh, with regards to the care cell. It's a wonderful place to be. Understand that it's a wonderful place to be. If you haven't had a house fellowship, please, I challenge you, go to a house fellowship, try it for two weeks, and I'm sure you'll be blessed. We're having a lot of fun in my own house fellowship. Within the house fellowship and outside the house fellowship, our children are interacting with other children of like minds. Last Saturday, we were even in Wadideka, just to have fun as a house fellowship. So it's also a way of interacting, a way of building ourselves up spiritually. So if you don't belong to ourselves, I've tasted of it. It's fantastic. So even if you haven't collected a sleep, I know some people sat down, they were disobedient, still collect a sleep and fill it out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. One of the things that happens around the world is decisions. You hear UK Brexit, isn't it? UK decides. America decides. Kenya decides. India decides. Nigeria decides. Isn't it? Nigeria is going to elections tomorrow. Okay? And there are two major parties, basically. And I'll just give a, a slight background. Yeah, the PDP, uh, People's Democratic Party, I think, they were there 16 years. You know, and in 2015, they lost the election to the opposition, all progressive Congress. And the slogan then was what? Change. Change. They were saying change, change. And they came to power. Now they have done four years and they're going back to election. They are the winners now. The PDP now is in opposition, isn't it? Now the opposition came up with a slogan, which is change the change. <laughs> so I, I, I don't even know what change they're talking about. But the problem is people will have to decide tomorrow. People will have to make a choice tomorrow. What they want, the change or change the change. They will have to decide tomorrow. You understand what I'm saying? And that's is the topic of my message, deciding my revival, deciding my revival. 
But before we go into the message, let's just pray for that country. Just pray that the Lord of peace, God of peace will come in. There's been a lot of tension in Nigeria right now because of these elections. People are willing to shed blood. Let's ask the Lord that is above all, that his peace will reign in Nigeria. Lift up your voices and pray. I know your own countries might not have come to the time of election, but they will come to a time of election. Let's pray that God's peace will reign over Nigeria as they go to the ballots tomorrow that no life will be lost. Let's pray also that the Lord will raise up godly leaders. We have seen how godly leaders have been raised up in Oman and the country has changed. You know, the Lord decides who becomes king. Please lift up your voices and pray for that nation. Because if that nation, if things go wrong in that nation, a lot of nations will be affected. Let's pray that people that fear the Lord will be elected into positions in the National Assembly. Let's pray that the God that sees all will do only what he can do tomorrow. Lord, we pray for the country Nigeria as they go to the ballots tomorrow. Father Lord, we ask that your peace shall reign. We pray, Father Lord, that no life shall be lost. No life shall be lost, Father Lord. And even as we select, Father Lord, as we decide, Father Lord, we will only decide for leaders. Leaders that will do your own by willing. Father Lord, leaders that will make that country progress. Thank you, Father Lord. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. So as I told you, deciding my revival. So as my usual way, I'm going to just define a couple of things. Okay? What is a decision? It's a determination arrived after consideration. So you have determined something, but there's a part that's leading to that. After consideration. After you have done all your permutations and thoughts and whatever, you have arrived at something. That's a decision, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Are we together? Are we together? Sister, the next slide. And change. Not the change like the way politicians go, okay? That was our text in Nehemiah 1 to 11, but we'll read it later. And Luke, I'll get uh, Brother Matthew to read that later on. Next is change, isn't it? To give a different position or course of direction. To give a different position or course to direction. So you're changing to one side, and the people are saying change the change, are changing to the other direction. But the problem is they have changed the direction that we have. Praise the Lord. And lastly, revival. My own definition of revival, there are so many definitions there. Okay? Reset to the starting point of anything. So you're resetting. I can remember when Hillary Clinton was uh, met with the uh, Foreign Secretary of uh, Russia. And she said they're going to reset the button, isn't it? Reset the relation to a starting point. And that's my own way I'm going to look at uh, the definition today. There are other definitions, but I'm talking about resetting to a starting point of anything. Praise the Lord. And we know there are two types of revivals. Okay? Two types of revival. We have the corporate revival. Corporate revival where everybody comes together in one voice, in one praise, and praying for something to happen. You know, if you go through history, you have the Azusa revival that happened in, in California. You find that, that people gathered every evening and they prayed for God's presence to come there. And things happened. People started speaking in tongues. People got miracles there. People were healed. That's a corporate revival. You're coming there together with the intention. With the intention, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Sister, can I have the next slide, please? You're coming there together with, in, 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 one, in one accord. 
And that's what we have. And you find that that also happened in the book of Acts when everybody gathered together, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Now, apart from that also, the second one, which breeds into a corporate revival, is individual revival. Individual revival. Reviving one's self. That has nothing to do with all of us corporately. It has to do with us individually. I can ask you, have you been revived? Or what is the revival in your life? So I have that individual revival. And what do I say that? Because when everybody is revived and in one accord, the whole place is revived, isn't it? Praise the Lord. So my focus is going to be on individual revival. I'm not talking about the corporate gathering. I'm talking about myself. Say self, please. Self, self. So I'm talking about my own revival. Praise the Lord. Now, what needs reviving in our lives? There are so many things that need revival in our life. It can be your marriage, adulterous husband, adulterous wife, lack of peace in the home. You need to reset it to the starting point the way God wanted it to be, isn't it? It can be your finances. Today you're up there. Man, a lot of riches and everything has gone down the drain. You're in debt. You're owing. You need to be revived to go back to that place where you're meant to be. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It can also be your career. Your career has gone, started spiraling downhill. You need it to be revived. You need that one job that will take you to the next level. You have not had a promotion for many years. You want to be promoted. That is, you need a revival in your life. Another one is, can be your walk with God, which is more important. Before you could walk with God and you could listen to God, God could speak with you. Your relationship was very, very close. Now God is speaking, you cannot even hear. You need revival on that point of view. Maybe most of you, by the time you became born again, you were firebrand and you were there. You were close with God. Another one also could be your prayer life. You could pray for two hours, nonstop, three hours, nonstop. But now, what is it? You cannot even pray for 15 minutes. Your prayer life has gone the drain. It needs a reviving. It needs to go to a place where it's meant to be. All these are aspects of individual revival. Not corporately. It doesn't concern the whole church. It concerns about you, you yourself. And that's why I'm speaking to each one of us. You know those areas. It might not be a prayer life. It might be your work with God. It might be your finances. It might be your marriage. You know where it's pinching you. But it's a decision that you will have to take. Praise the Lord. Am I speaking to somebody? And that's where I'm going to go. I'm hammering that. I'm not talking about all of us. Everybody needs to do an introspective check on your own self. What do you need your revival? It can be even your children. Your children need to be revived. They have become very stubborn. They have become very wayward. But that was not the plan of God for them. But they need to be reset to the starting point. Praise the Lord. Now, I think two weeks ago, Pastor Francis gave a message, and he, he talked about four hours, isn't it? Four hours. What was the first hour? Ah, what happened? Nobody was in church. First hour was what? Revival, wasn't it? Huh? Record. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Recall. Okay. Was it four or five? 
Four. What's four? So the first one was revival. I think I wrote it. Recall? Okay. Okay. Return, yes? Okay. Then restoration, then renewal, and then rejoice. Am I correct? Okay. Maybe I paraphrase it a different way. You know? But he put it very well for us to be able to understand the process of revival. But there's something at the beginning that we have to start. No matter what room, no matter what needs, what needs revival in your life, you need a starting point. Okay? You need a starting point. Revival will not happen without a starting point, isn't it? The time that you stand up and go. And that's what we're talking about. That decision, that starting point we're talking about. Deciding my revival. We'll just read through Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. If Brother Matthew has that. It came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Sushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to be the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Praise the Lord. Now, this is a story about Nehemiah, and I, I encourage you, we don't have enough time to go through it. When you have time on your own, read the whole chapter, read the whole verse. Now, this, there were captives that have been taken away, isn't it? And then, here was Nehemiah, where he was, where he was a king's cupbearer, holding his cup, very important position, he must sip everything before the king takes it. If anybody is to be poisoned, he has to be poisoned first, isn't it? So the king will not drink anything, or I'm sure maybe not eat anything without the cupbearer tasting it, okay? 
Now, he was asking about news from Jerusalem. And the news about Jerusalem was dire. Jerusalem's walls were in rooms. They were in tatters. That means people could go through. In those good old days, every city had a big fortified wall. But this was laid in rooms. And this is where God used to dwell in. Isn't it? Jerusalem is where God used to dwell in those days. Isn't it? And it was all broken down. Now, how does that relate to our own lives? What is broken down in your life that looks like Jerusalem? What has been broken down in your lives? Think about it. There are a lot of things that are broken down. They are all lost and it's broken down. God used to dwell in our hearts, but God is no longer dwelling in our hearts anymore because of the sin that we have committed. And that was the position of things then. That place needed rebuilding so that God will dwell in there. Our lives need rebuilding so that God will dwell in there. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? And you notice, the, I'll just go through facts about revival. The first point was revival will only start with an earnest decision to change. An earnest decision to change. We can speak about revival from January to December. If there's no earnest decision to change in our lives, nothing will change. Are you with me? And then that's why you found that Nehemiah came here. And what was Nehemiah doing? He wept. He mourned. He fasted and prayed when he heard these things. What have you prayed about? What have you mourned? What have you fasted about your life? Praise the Lord. Are you with me? If something's not going right in your life, what have you done about it? Have you reached a point of an earnest decision that said, no, this cannot continue like this. I need a revival. If we don't get to that point, sorry to say there will be no revival in our lives. And that's what Nehemiah had to do at that particular point in time. Praise the Lord. And he started praying. And when he was praying, I love Nehemiah. If you go through the content of that prayer, in verse 5 to 6, his prayer recognized the nature of God. Isn't it? In verse 5 and 6, he recognized the nature of God. He said, God, you can do all things. God, you're the person. He, I mean, he said, it's only you, God. What situation do I have? Is this the doctors you're looking to? You're having a challenge in your health? But have you recognized the place of God in your situation? That's the first thing Nehemiah did. He recognized the place of God. Then number two, he confessed his sins. Isn't it? He confessed his sins. Now, he was a cupbearer in the king's palace. You can say that maybe he was maintaining himself. He was all righteous. And he was a sin of the other Israelites. But he never excluded himself. He said, I and my people have all sinned before you. Isn't it? He didn't excuse himself from the problem. He didn't excuse himself from the problem. The first thing, if you have alcohol addiction, you go for those AA courses. Hello, my name is Emmanuel. I'm alcoholic. Those are the first statements, isn't it? And why do they give those statements? They want you to accept the situation where you are in. If you never accept the situation you are in, revival will not come. If you think my prayer life is okay, and you're not able to come to God and say, God, you, you see I have a problem here. He accepted the sins of the Israelites. And he never passed the buck to somebody. There's something that's always passing the buck now. You see a child that's wrong. You say, oh, my parents did this to me, or I was this when I was small. There was always an excuse in somebody else. Nobody takes ownership of his own issues. We have to take ownership of our issues. 
But in verse 8 to 9, 8 to 10, he reminded God of his promises to him. God is a forgiving God. You have a contract with God. God has something, a promise that he has given you. He has a destiny for you. And you can go back and remind God and say, God, this is the way it's meant to be. I know you're forgiving God. I've gone the wrong direction, but your word said this, and I'm holding on to your word. God has a word pertaining to your situation. God has said that you're going to live in good health. God has said you're going to have a good career. God has said your finances are going to be good. Isn't it? That's what God has in store for us, his children. But we have to remind him of those words. Not because it's not death. He wants you to acknowledge that. Isn't it? And the next part is in verse, in verse 10 to 11a. He asked God for help to start the process. He asked for God to help him to start the process. You think revival is all by our might? No, it's not by might. You need God to help you. You need God to help you. That's why you see some people, one level here, one level there, and they're, they're like they need help. God, he asks for favor. Have you tried to see somebody that is trying to give up cigarettes? Smoking. Let me give an example. He must start with 30 sticks, he goes down to 10 sticks, and he goes down gradually, gradually. Today he will be shaking because he wants to have a puff. He needs help. He's doing it in his own strength. We need the help of God for revival. So you have to cry out to God. God, I need this revived in my life. God, I need you to help me. I can remember one time in my life that I had backslidden badly. And I just got to my room then. It was Lagos. And I just had that. I said, God, I cannot continue life like this. I need your help. I don't know where I'll start from. I was crying. Literally crying. I was willing, but my flesh was weak. Where the strength and the grace came from, I do not know up to today. It's only God. And if you don't reach that point, it will be difficult in your life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's look at Luke 15, 17 to 19. I'll read it. But when he came to himself, how many of my father's higher servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I'll arise and go to my father's house, and I'll say to him, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be, to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great away, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell and kissed him. This was the prodigal son. Gone, wasted his money. He had to reach a point that he was eating with the swine. Then he realized and said, no, I cannot be like this. I have a father somewhere else. Let me go back to him. I don't want the next position, but at least I will have food there. Isn't it? He reached that point. He reached that breaking point. He reached that point of deciding a decision he made. He had a plot. After a thoughtful consideration process, he reached a determination. I'm going back. It's very easy for us in our careers. You have, you have been omanized and they kick you out of Oman. You go. And you say, okay, I'm going to go to where, I'm going to go back to India, I'm going to go back to Nigeria, or wherever I am, wherever you're coming from. You have no choice. You have to make a decision. But in our spiritual lives, it has to be a conscious decision by us. Because nobody's going to come and disturb you about your spiritual life. Of course, maybe our parents will come and disturb you, but to a certain extent that they'll speak to you. Jonah also, when he was in the belly of the fish, he cried out to God. 
Go and read that part in Jonah 2, 1 to 10. Very beautiful prayer. Very, very beautiful prayer. He cried out to God. And God heard him. In Mark 10, 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That was blind Bartimaeus. He cried out. He couldn't see, but he heard that Jesus was passing by. He cried out. Today you will cry out to God concerning your situation. And then that's when God will show up. You can't afford to keep quiet. Who's going to do the crying for you? Your parents or yourself? You have to make that conscious decision yourself. Praise the Lord. Let's go to number two. What convicts us to revival? Because you need to have a decision, isn't it? You have a starting point. So I've, I've told you, you have to make a conscious deci- decision. What convicts us to revival? Number one is the Holy Spirit. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside you, you're also missing an additional point to convict you to revival. Acts 2.37 Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. That conviction could not have not come from anywhere but from the Holy Spirit. But coming from the Holy Spirit, it came from hearing. Praise the Lord. It came from hearing. From hearing the word. They heard the words of the disciples and that is when they cried out, what shall we do to be saved? Church here. Church gathering. It's not a social club for the, for the saved. You know something? It's for people that are unsaved that are walking through these doors. Because they need to hear the word to be, convict, to be convicted. Now sometimes some of us walk with our righteous, oh, I'm holy, I'm righteous. Oh, he's a sinner. Don't ever look down on anybody that comes to the church. Because he needs to hear the word. And that's the turning point. If you have people that you see on the outside world, they're living a totally different life to the life that you're meant to live as a Christian, please embrace them. Never see look at someone and say, he's a drunkard. Ah, I don't need your type. You're a drunkard, come to church with me. Someone that's fornicated, someone that's adulterated, come to church with me, brother, sister, I love you, come to church with me. Because how can they be saved if they do not hear? When they hear the word, the Holy Spirit will convict them. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? So never discourage a sinner from coming to church. Wherever you find yourself, encourage them to come to church. Now, number two, B, divine circumstances. And that's what the prodigal son went to. God takes us to a certain path that he wants to get our attention. Isn't it? The prodigal son had to get to that lowly point where he was feeding with the swines before God could get his attention. It was a divine orchestration. Some of the issues I am going through, you're going through, is divinely. So God will get us to a certain point. We heard it was a year of revival. All of us jumped up and it's a dangerous year of revival. Because God will break you to revive you. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? I'm talking individually, one-on-one. I mean your own life. God will break you to get you to that point that you need and to cry out for revival. 
divine circumstances, pain might come. Praise the Lord. I was hearing it was a joke in, in I think, in Nigerian uh, uh, circles that in those days you have uh, older people, parents and, uh, and child. And then the one will say, I slapped him and I recalibrated him. He brought him back to his starting point. The child was misbehaving and she hit him and then he, he spun back and came back to the right place that he was supposed to be. Isn't it? He was recalibrated with pain. Isn't it? That brought him back to his attention. Things will happen. And I call it, it's not by chance, it's divine circumstances. Because God wants something from you. You might see a financial career in a wreck. God is not worried about the finance of the career. He wants you to be revived in a certain aspect of your life. You might be having health challenges. God wants you to look up to him. He's divinely orchestrated. In Acts 9, 3 to 6, isn't it? Paul Saul was walking. And he came into a point where a light shone on him. And what happened? He said, God, why are you persecuting? God asked him, why are you persecuting him? That was divine halt in Saul's life. Wasn't it? Praise the Lord. Are you with me? But what happened to Saul at that time? He became what? Blind. Try and think about it. If Saul was okay, if you could see, after the light had gone, wouldn't he have continued his journey? He would have continued his journey. But God just said, okay, bros, stay here. I'll keep you here. Until you have gotten to a place that I can use you. And he was revived and he became what? He became Paul, one of the greatest apostles. Imagine those days that he could not see before he was could able to get his eyes sight back. And he had to follow instructions. Paul that was given, Saul that was given instructions. Now Paul had to go to instructions to go to where he would get receive his eyesight, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Are you with me? So there's a lot of pain that comes in. Pain revival. And I can tell you that it's a year of revival. I'm going through my own challenges. And God is teaching me certain things that he wants to bring out in me the way they used to be. And I believe each one of us should be going through that process in our lives. So wherever God is working, try and find out where he's working. And the Holy Spirit will convince you. See, self-conviction. In Nehemiah 2.45, Nehemiah went and he asked the king, if it pleases the king and your servant has found favor in your eyes, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, and I may rebuild it. He had his own self-conviction. Now, these are people that know they're right from their wrong. Isn't it? People that will be able to come and say, God, no, this is not right. We need a change in this. People that still have some amount of conscience. People that still have the Holy Spirit of God in them. They are not totally derailed totally. The Spirit of God has not left them. They can be convicted that, no, this needs to change. And God works in certain circumstances. He will just drop a word in your heart and say, this needs to change. And that's what happened to Nehemiah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Three, restoration process. As Brother Francis mentioned, after revival restoration, it takes time. It takes time. That's a mistake people believe. If you could play for three hours 
and you have not done that in the last five years, and you want to come back and pray, and you want to pray for three hours, it will take time to build that stamina. Praise the Lord. That husband that is cheating outside, that's adulterous, it will take time to build the trust in that family to reset it to where it was meant to be. Am I correct? Are you with me? Because you find out there has been a lack of trust. When Paul went his way with Silas, Barnabas and John Mark, they had an argument. Isn't it? I think we're studying the book of Acts. He refused to go with John Mark. There was a big argument. But later on, they reconciled after a while. He said, send John Mark to me because he's useful to me. Isn't it? There was some time. If you have gone to the hospital and see somebody that's had a stroke, you'll see him, he has to learn to walk one step at a time. One step at a time. Any restoration process takes time. Al-Hutai Caves is one of the uh, tourist attractions. It took them how many years? Six years? They were restoring it almost six years to restore it to the position where it was. So bear in mind, for it to be revived, it takes time. It's a process. The starting might be very difficult, but the end is glorious. I can remember those days of uh, who watched racing during Carl Lewis and Ben Johnson. Can you remember? Yes. And what was the two significant different things? One, Ben Johnson was a quick starter, isn't it? I mean, he was just off the blocks and he's off. And Carl Lewis was what? A slow starter. But at the end of the day, Carl Lewis is catching up. And I think Carl Lewis had a better career than Ben Johnson. Isn't it? Over time. But I used to love watching them racing. One person is off like a bullet and then another person is just catching up slowly and steady. Starting will be difficult. Going back to read your word, having a devotional time is difficult. But you have to start somewhere. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And the bottom line is, is to showcase, number four, to showcase the end product to the glory of God. In Nehemiah 16, 16, when you go back and continue reading, and it happened when our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were disheartened in their own eyes. For they perceived that this work was done by God. The main point for your own revival is for God to be glorified. I've seen people that have been drug addicts back home. And then I'll get a phone call, the person is getting married. He's born again. He has a family. Isn't it? And all people can say is to the glory of God. And your revival is to the glory of God. It might improve you personally, but it's for people to say, ah, this brother and sister have changed. That's the main aim. It's that God will be glorified. Fifth, maintenance is required. As you have been revived, you have to maintain it. Some of us uh, that were weights is on the high side. I think Pastor Leslie mentioned to us when he did the BMI index, I was calculating and punching the BMI during the men's meeting. Uh, the result was terrible. Uh, you know? And I said, where will I start this thing? Today, you're cutting your carbs. You don't want to eat so much carbs and everything. And you try that for a while. And then your wife makes some beautiful jollof or pounded yam and, and, and you delve into it. The secret about weight loss, anybody will tell you, is maintaining that lifestyle. You can lose the weight. The most difficult thing is maintaining it. 
And that's why some of us, you see us going to a yo-yo. Today you have added weight, today you have lost weight. It's like that. Because it's difficult maintaining it. That's the same thing with our Christian life. The devil will come and want to bring you back after you have been revived. But you have to maintain that relationship with God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Romans 6, 1-2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we, shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Isn't it? So that maintenance, God has brought you out from somewhere. God has built the walls of, 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 of Jerusalem. And you find that in that Nehemiah, once they built the walls, they were guarding it. They were guarding it. So you also have to regard your revival. Where God has restored you, you have to guard it. You have to live a holy life. You have to continue that relationship with God. Praise the Lord. Now, why the urgency of revival? The next thing. Why the urgency of revival? Number one is time. Okay? Now, there's something that's been going on in social media. And you call it 10-year challenge, isn't it? Praise the Lord. People are doing 10-year challenge. Am I correct? Praise the Lord. So I have a 10-year challenge, 2008 to 2018. I took the luxury of going to our archives. Okay? Sister, the first picture, please. It might not be too clear, but do you know who that man is? Okay. Go down the next picture. That is slightly more clear. Uh, the pictures are a little bit of resolution. But you can see the change. You can see the change. That's a gap of 10 years. Next, next picture. I think I have got a better resolution of this. Do you know who that is? Does it look different? Huh? I can see more here. And I can see it's dark. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Next picture. This is 2018. <laughs> That's how it looks. Praise the Lord. Another picture. Next one, sister. Do you know this brother? <laughs> that was in 2008. You know? Uh, full black hair. His cheeks were very round. Praise the Lord. Next one. And that's him, 10 years down the line. Next slide, please. So it's all of us. That was in 2008. The hair was still, was still plenty. And uh, my son now, the other day I was coming out to the car and he was rubbing my hair. And he said, Daddy, and that's me in 2018. Praise the Lord. And he was touching my hair. I was saying, he was touching my hair. I said, Daddy, I love your hair. And he was just making fun of me. Because everything has, has gone. And I looked at him and I was laughing. And I said, okay, because you have, a, you have Afro now. And in my mind, I said, if you're truly my son, years down the line, you too, I'll be rubbing your hair. You know? But he does not see that yet. He still sees his house is full here. So praise the Lord. So time, physical changes. Sister, next slide. You can find that this is just a 10-year shot, 10-year span. We don't have time. And it's appointed, Hebrews 9 27, and it's appointed for men to die once. But after this, then judgment. We have 70 years. 
and 70 years you have not revived, what will happen to you? Death is certain. Death is certain, my brothers and my sisters. It's real. And we not, cannot be found in the state that we are. We're supposed to be found in the state where God has put us to. Praise the Lord. And that's something that's why we're urgency for revival in our lives. If you die on a high note, you die with God, you know where you'll be. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's very important. Our lives are finite. It's not infinite. If you try, if you try 90, 100 max, but nowadays 70, people are gone. Even less than that, people are gone. Imagine them dying in their sin. That's the urgency in revival. That's the urgency that we need to revive ourselves, our walk with God. Number two, is revive starts with us and grows into a critical mass. How many people can we make to heaven? Can people look at your life and say, this brother has changed, so I too will change? You have a circle of influence. People can look at you and say, no, this brother's life has changed. You go and ask my brother, how has this changed in your life? And in the process, you will carry more people to heaven. If you continue reading the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah started this, but everybody lent a hand. Someone was building a roof, someone was doing that. He carried a massive number of people to rebuild that wall. The same thing in our lives. One change from one person can lead a change to another person. And we'll have a critical mass that will go to heaven. That's the urgency. We need that mass. When you go there, you shouldn't go by yourself. God will say, where are the people that you came with? The third one is, before you self-destruct, Avoid irre- irreversible damage. A good example is Samson. Samson had everything. But he went down the wrong lane. His eyes were taken. Even though they said he killed more Philistines when in his death and when he was alive. I believe that was not God's destiny for Samson. Samson was to live as a judge constantly. But the problem in living in our sinful life we can cause damage to our lives. Praise the Lord. And sometimes it's too late. You see someone dying and the guy is not born again. The person is not born again. It's irreversible. He's dead. You see someone that is drunk until he kills somebody on the expressway. Then he ends up in prison and then he becomes born again. Was that God's plan for him to remain in prison? Yes, you can say, okay, yes, he, that was where he got his salvation. But how about him staying out of prison and walking with God? There are some damages that we cause unto ourselves. I mean, Pastor Leslie was uh, telling us about what we eat now will affect us 10 years down the line, isn't it? I think the issues was uh, diabetes, uh, block arteries, and I was trying to a lot of this. It depends on our diet. He mentioned red meat. When he mentioned our red meat, I, I cringed, you know. 
and uh, you know, you have to cut it down. But the cut it down earlier, the better. It's not when you have goiter or you have issues and you start cutting it down. You have already caused damage to your body. Or until you have liver psoriasis. So you need to avoid irreversible damage. Those three points. Time to get a critical mass and avoid irreversible damage. That's the urgency. So if you do not have that urgency in you, have that urgency in you. You look at somebody today, the person might not be there tomorrow. Praise the Lord. And that's what's important. The way you're going down, is it going to lead you to damage? Your life you're living, is it going to lead you to ultimate damage? Is it when you have HIV or something that you want to come back and live your way, your lifestyle? Or is it when you have children from out of wedlock, you will come back? Is it when you have lied your way out and you have got caught and you're taken to the court? Is that when you'll come back? Or is it when you end up in prison? That's when you'll come back. Or are you waiting for things to change totally in your life to be revived? Think about it. You have not been urgent. You have to make a decision that I want to be revived. You have to decide my revival starts now. It's not later. It's not later. It's now. Praise the Lord. Now, the good thing about all this thing is that I've mentioned you a lot of issues. And I'm going to be rounding up in this. The promise of God with respect to revival. We've asked you to go through this promise. But in Ezekiel 37, 12 to 14, it says, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, my people, I will open your graves. I will cause you to come from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I've opened your graves, all my people, and brought you up from the graves. I'll put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I'll place you in your own land. You shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will perform it, says the Lord. That's when God told the dry bones to speak. So whatever process you're going through, there's always victory at the end. Praise the Lord. In our year, our motto for the year, Ezekiel 36, 36. Then the nations which are felt left all around, we shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. That is God's promise for your own self-revival today. Brother Joey, please, and uh, Brother Matthew. And one of the things is this. This cannot happen without you making a decision. Praise the Lord. I don't know what you're going through. But you have to decide today that my revival starts today. And we're going to pray. I don't know what has been laid up in your lives. Please, we can all just rise up. Hallelujah. Yes. 
As the song is going in, I have decided to follow Jesus. I want you, if you have decided to follow Jesus, you have to think about it. Joel 3 14 says, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near, of, is near in the valley of decision. You have to decide you're going to follow Jesus. You have to decide to be revived. You might be a Christian, you are backslidden. instrumentals are going on in the background, just say, Lord, I commit my life into your hands. Just lift up your voices and say, Lord, if you know you're not born again, just say, Lord, come into my life today. Lord, take a place in my life today. Lord, I confess my sins to you. If you're not born again, just say, Lord, I confess my sins to you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Wherever it is, just pray that prayer. Because today is a day of decision. Today is a day of decision. Today is a day of decision. If you want me to pray with you, you can come forward. If you're giving your life to Christ, you can come forward. I will pray with you. I will pray with you that Lord will start that revival in your life. That Lord will sustain you. The Lord will keep you. You have reached a point of decision. It's a year of revival, but it starts with you. You have to decide to be revived. The second prayer point is if you have backslidden anyway, whatever needs reviving your life, just lift up your voice and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. As the background music is going on, just continue crying out to God, Lord, I need this point in my life to be revived. If it's my marriage, say, Lord, revive my marriage. If it's my health, say, Lord, revive my health. If it's your career, say, Lord, revive it. If it's my finances, say, Lord, I choose today, Lord, that there will be a turnaround around in my finances. Pray if it's your walk with God. If it's your walk with God, say, Lord, I want a closer walk. If it's your prayer life, your devotional life, just say, Lord, 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 Lord. I'm crying out to you. Bible black and say, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. That should be your prayer today. That should be your prayer this afternoon. That should be your prayer this afternoon. Believe me, it's not your setting your goals and objectives that's going to help you. Just lift up your voice and say, Lord, come into this my situation. Church, you're not praying. You're not praying. You're not praying. Your only way you can be revived is today if the Lord comes into your situation. And you have to cry out. I don't know what it is. I have my own issues. Just say, Lord, come into this, Lord. Revive me. Revive me. Bravo, shit. Thank you.
Just pray, Lord, say, Lord, reverse the irreversible in my life. Where I've made mistakes, Father Lord, reverse those mistakes I've made, Father Lord. Only you can do that, Father Lord. Lord, may I not be a man of yesteryears. May they not say, yeah, oh, this man was this, this last year. But he's here this year. Reverse the irreversible in my life, Father Lord. Bring me to a place where you want me to be. Lift up your voices and pray. If you don't have any issues, you can keep quiet. But if you have an issue, say, Lord, 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 reverse the irreversible in my life. Or change us, Father Lord. Change individual hearts today, Father Lord. Lord, I pray, Father Lord, that you will reverse the irreversible, Father Lord. Where we have committed sin, Father Lord. Where we have caused issues, Father Lord. We have caused damage to our destinies, Father Lord. We ask, Lord, that you rever reverse it, Father Lord. Revive us in those aspects of our life, Father Lord. Where we have not walked with you, Father Lord, we plead for a closer walk with you. Where our prayer lives have been prayerless, Father Lord, Lord, we ask that you teach us to pray. That we will take one step at a time with you. We will walk with you on this journey. This journey of revival. That individually, Father Lord, you will revive us. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. I have, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Bibles, please, to Isaiah chapter 55. If you have packed away your Bible, please take it out. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. What are the things in your life that need to be revived? What are the things in your life that are broken? You think about it. 
We are talking about individual revival. It's all about you. It's all about me. What is broken in my life? What is broken in your life? What needs to be repaired? What needs to be built up? Brothers, sisters, this is a direct call. We are not beating around the bush. Where have you messed up in your life? God says, return to me and I will return to you. Zechariah chapter 1 verse 3. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. This is God's call. You and I need to respond. We are not as good as we would like to portray ourselves. There are things in our lives which are broken. And we are hiding it. But it is time for repair. No more patch up. No more covering up. Now is the time of decision. Church, now is the time of decision. Talk to God right now. Tell him, where have you messed up? Our God is a forgiving God. But we can ask forgiveness only when we are alive. We can't ask God to change us. We can't ask God to mend us once we are dead and gone. Do not resist God. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Today, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And let me make one more call. You had it five minutes back. If there's anyone here who needs revival, you think that your life is messed up and you want to be prayed for, please put your hands up and we'll pray. If you think that your life is a mess, if you think that, yes, you need God to change you, you need God to touch you, but you are taking that decision, that's great, brothers and sisters, that's great, because you take that decision. You're not waiting for somebody else. You take that decision. Father God, I commit every one of us into your hands, Lord. You see the hands that are raised right now, Lord Father. These are your dear children, Lord Father, who have decided, who have taken a decision right now that you need to touch them, Lord Father. Father God, thank you for their boldness, Lord Father. Thank you for the decision that they have taken, Lord Father, that they want change that they need to have their lives revived, Lord Father. Father, honor their faith, Lord Father. Talk to their inner being, Lord Father, and where change is needed, bring that change, Lord Father. Where revival is needed, bring that revival, Lord Father. Where repair is needed, bring that repair, Lord Father, and restore them unto you, Lord Father. Give them that peace, Lord Father, and that knowledge and that understanding, Lord that when you have touched them, they are indeed touched. Thank you, Father, for what you are doing in their lives, Lord Father. 
Father God, we thank you, Lord, for every other person who is here, Lord, Father. And I pray, Lord, that the seed that you have planted into us, Lord, will truly flourish, Lord, Father, and grow, and it will bear fruit at the right time, Lord, Father. Yes, Lord, today is the day, Lord. But let no one go away from here untouched, Lord, Father. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your servant whom you have used this day, Lord, Father. Pray, Lord, that you will continue to anoint him and bless him and his family, Lord, Father. That he will bring unto us greater truths that you have for us, Lord. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our midst, Lord, Father. Thank you, Father, for reviving us. Thank you, Lord, that you have chosen that this year is a year for revival, Lord, Father. Father, we surrender ourselves into your hands and we ask that you take charge. We give all glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Shall we share the grace? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.